This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. This morning, rather, for in your time, the scripture says you make all things beautiful. Thank you for the few days into the new year and the wondrous things you have started to unfold about our lives. Lord, today we start a new series. Holy Spirit, unless you teach us, everything else is wash. Uh, we, we need your help. Teach us, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Show us the realities of the kingdom. And let Jesus be lifted up and all men be drawn unto him. In the name of Jesus. I remove myself out of the way that I will not get in the way of your message for your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So today, we start a new series that I've titled, Rebuilding the Waste Places. Rebuilding the Waste Places. You know, over the weekend, I was thinking about the good old days. Well, I don't know, you might not like it, but uh, those old days in the old building, if you can believe it, I used to preach for one hour, 20 minutes, one hour, 30 minutes. Uh, we have good products. Alexis, April, uh, uh, they are probably watching now. They are from that era, and they are still standing strong. You know, so they must have learned something. Amen. But uh, we do series now. That's how we... <laughs> Uh, hallelujah. Amen. Those days, I read whole chapters during the sermon. Whole chapter. Because that's all some people are going to read for all the week. You know, but uh, we take it in bite pieces now. Yes. Uh, the Holy Spirit will help us. In Jesus' name. So, there's going to be four parts. Uh, the part one that we're talking about today is recognizing the desolation. And part two, we will talk about the call to rebuild. Part three, we will talk about overcoming opposition. You know, a lot of people have believed wrongly that if God has sent me, there will be no opposition. <laughs> if you are doing the Lord's work, you are working against the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness will resist you. Amen. But with God, you have the victory. Okay, two people. With God, I have the victory. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, part four, uh, week four, we will talk about celebrating the restoration. You know, one of the things I love about our church, the Redeemed Christian Church of God, not just Salvation Center. In the Redeemed Christian Church of God, we kick off the year with fasting and prayer. Amen. A time of fasting is a time of consecration. A time of fasting is a time of reflection. If you do it right, you'll be surprised the things God will be showing you during the time of fast. Can I tell you something? Fast does not change God. My fast does not empower God. Oh, God is now more powerful to help me. No, no, no. Uh, my fast just removes the clogs, the things that are blocking my view. It takes them out of the way. Why? Because I put my body, I put my flesh under, you know. So it's always a good time for us to reflect and take stock. 
That's one thing I like to do. I like to sit back and just reflect and think back, you know, so that whatever I've done that is not quite working, I can stop what is not working and begin to invest in what is working. Amen? So this is kind of what we're going to do for the next four weeks, all right? And we're going to use the Nehemiah model to do this. So let's open our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 1. We read from verse 1 to 4. I really wanted to read the whole thing, but uh, we say bite size is having. Sister Mary, small bites. Yeah, okay. So Nehemiah chapter 1 from verse 1. Say, these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, uh, Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susha. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit with some other men who had just returned from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity. I want you to note that. I'll give you a, a quick background in a little bit. So I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were, how things were going on in Jerusalem. Verse 3, they said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. They were in desolation is what they are talking about really. Said the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been burned, have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Was beeping. All right. A quick background here. When it talks about the those that returned to Jerusalem from captivity, what it's talking about here is remember in Jeremiah, even though the way we understand that scripture is not really the context in which the scripture was written. You know, it says, Our God. He says, he has good thoughts for us. He says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. They are thoughts of good, not of evil, to bring you to an expected end. Yeah? The context in which it was written was Jeremiah prophesied to the people and told them, surely you are going into captivity. And you will be in captivity for 70 years. And throughout those 40 years, he said, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. They are thoughts of good not of evil, to bring you to an expected end. You know, and all these Bible stories are connected, even though we don't read them as such. So when in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel began to pray, you know, for the captivity to be over, the Babylonian captivity here, you know, he realized by this reading of the books that the prophecy said 70 years. And he realized that the 70 years is accomplished. So he began to pray. And as he began to pray, God raised up Cyrus, King Cyrus. You remember Cyrus in Isaiah 45? You know, God raised up Cyrus. And when Cyrus, the Persian king, conquered Babylon, he sent the captives. Everybody go home. 
Very unusual thing. You just conquered the land. And then the people that you conquered, the captives, you said, go back to your hometown. So the first exodus was led by Zerubbabel. You know, many of us, oh, the hands of Zerubbabel has laid the foundation. His hands are completed. All these stories are connected. They are not in isolation. So Zerubbabel led the first exodus. They went, they began to rebuild the temple. And then Ezra, in the book of Ezra, Ezra led the second exodus. And when they got there, Ezra's movement was to restore worship. So they restored worship, and the third exodus was led by Nehemiah. So we are entering from after the second exodus, and the third exodus is about to begin. So Nehemiah inquired of those that came back from Jerusalem, he said, how are my people? What that tells me is Nehemiah is a reflective person. is not working on assumption. There's a lot of people today that are presuming on God. You think you know, but Nehemiah was asking questions. So today, uh, what we're going to do very quickly in the time that we have today is we're going to look at what are waste places, amen, and how do we uh, begin to adjust things and uh, be, uh, move forward from that waste place, amen. So waste places or desolate places uh, in the scriptures usually refer to uninhabited land or barren land or a land that is in a state of ruin. Waste place. Uh, it makes sense, doesn't it? These places are characterized by emptiness, desolation. Often there's a sense of abandonment. Waste places can be both literal and symbolic. Uh, in my book, Go Back and Pick Up the Baton, I painted a picture of uh, waste places using Proverbs chapter 24, uh, verse 30 to uh, 34. Let's read it. Uh, Proverbs 24, 30 to 34. It says, I walked by the field of a lazy person. Listen to this. The vineyard of one with no common sense. Another translation says, one that is devoid of sense. That is somebody that is not reflective. Somebody that is just going through life. You know, I, I, I sleep, I wake up, I go to work, I watch TV, I watch soccer, I discuss, I go do whatever people do. Just floating through life. He said, I went by the field of the vineyard of one with no common sense. What did I see there? I saw that it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds and its walls were broken down. Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. You know, in, in, in that my book, one of the things I wrote about is the man whose vineyard they are talking about is not the one that saw himself. He didn't see himself. He was somebody walking by that looked at his field and is giving us a description of that field. A lot of people, you are looking at them and you are feeling sorry, but they don't see themselves. Oh 
One of the lessons I learned early in ministry is trying to help people that don't want help. You know, because that's the pastor's heart. Ah, let's do something. Now let's, at the end of the day, they are going to <laughs> do that to you. So leave me. I like my life as it is. Leave me alone. Praise the Lord. He said, I looked, and then I thought, and I learned from that person's field. Meaning, I don't have to wait for it to happen to me. I can learn from other people's life. He said, I looked at their life, and I learned the following. Watch this. Verse 32. He said, oh, no, 33. He said, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, just a little, just a little. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Uh, this is scripture. I, I'm reading Bible. Oh, is it on the screen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, those are not my words. I was talking to someone yesterday. I mean, when you talk about comfort, this individual is very comfortable. I know them well. They are members of this church. He said, uh, you know, pastor, this, this, and that, amongst other things that we talked about. He said, I just started a postgraduate program. I'm, I'm doing a postgraduate program. I'm like, what? For what? <laughs> I didn't say that to him. He's listening to me now. He's wondering, hey, so that's what you were thinking. <laughs> You know, because if you say somebody has everything, he has everything. But this is someone that has reflected in themselves and has seen that there's a gap. I need to close the gap. Whatever the cost, because this person, I don't know how they manage their time. I gave it away already. It's a he, you know. I don't know how he manages his time. But for him to be able to add that on top of it, it tells me this is a thinking person. This is a thinking person. A lot of people are just, you know, can I tell you something this morning? I'm going off script now, but that's okay. Do you know ignoring your situation will not make it go away? No, it doesn't. <laughs> you know, some people will say, oh, key, Sarah, Sarah, what will be, will be. Keep on living. You will find out. <laughs> praise the Lord. I praise the Lord. Doing nothing about the situation is not going to make it go away. Oh, some people say, oh, time will heal. It's a lie. Time only heals what you do something about. I know a little bit about uh, physiology, pathology. You have a wound. You don't clean it. It gets infected. It becomes septic. If it's in the leg, they will cut that leg to save your life. Not you, but that person. Somebody you know, maybe. Amen? So doing nothing and ignoring stuff doesn't make it go away. Wow. It doesn't. You know, being frustrated and tired and saying, I'm just tired. It's not going to change your situation. You know, my people will say, ah, sue me. Oh, it won't make it go away. Amen? So when we talk about waste places, uh, or desolation. It can be a physical desolation. We already talked about that. Number two, it can be a spiritual or moral desolation. 
Some people have gotten comfortable with sin. Christians come to church, all of that, serve in church, and they have gotten comfortable with sin. It doesn't, it doesn't prick your conscience anymore that I am sinning. That life has become a wasteland. Wasteland. You just keep carrying on. You know, have you noticed? If you are a serious believer, you do something wrong, ah, you'll be broke. You feel bad. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. You know, oh my God, I feel so ashamed. I feel dirty. <laughs> By the time you do it three, four, five, seven times, ah, it is what it is. God knows we are flesh. <laughs> God knows kiss, Sarah, Sarah. God knows I'm flesh. Waste places can symbolize spiritual or moral decadence. This may represent a, a, the condition of a person's heart or a community that turned away from God, experiencing emptiness and lack of spiritual fruitfulness. Open to Ezekiel chapter 16. We we'll read from 15 to 19. Ezekiel 16, 15 to 19. It said, but you thought your famine and beauty were your own. You gave yourself as a prostitute to every man who came along. Your beauty was theirs for the asking. You know, it might not be prostitution or anything like that, but the intellect that God has given you, you thought God just gave you because you are better than the other person. The beauty that God has given you, you know, you can speak, you can put words or words together. You have the power of oration, but you are using it to toast. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You have lost sight of what it was all about. This is God speaking to Israel here. He said, but you thought your fame and beauty were your own. You thought your intelligence, your smartness, the money you have made, whatever you have acquired, whatever you have accomplished, you thought it was by your power or by your strength. So you are bragging, showing off. Nobody can tell me anything here. If we are not here, nothing is happening here. It might be true for a moment. Verse 16, you used, to, you used the lovely things. I gave you to make shrines for idols where you played the prostitute. Unbelievable. How could such a thing ever happen? Verse 17, you took the very jewels and gold and silver ornaments that I had given you and made statutes of men and worshipped them. This is idolatry against me. Um, uh, uh, this is idolatry against me. Verse 18, you use the beautifully embroidered clothes I gave you to dress your idols. Then you use my special oil and my incense to worship them. Imagine it. You set before them as a sacrifice the choice flour, olive oil, and honey I, I had given you, says the Lord, the sovereign Lord. Your very breath is the Lord's. Amen? Nobody 
can guarantee I will wake up tomorrow. Oh, last Sunday I told you, you know, you said, oh, I'm afraid if I sleep, I won't wake up. Therefore, I will not sleep. Standing alive, standing, people die. Oh, yeah. I told you the story. I saw a video. The guy was celebrating his birthday, Pastor. It was his birthday. They called him out. As he was dancing out, he just fell and died. So it's not sleep that is causing you to die. When death comes, whether alive, sleeping, dreaming, walking, drinking, whatever. When death comes, that's it. Goodbye. Spiritual and moral decadence. It's as though God does not exist anymore. <laughs> People of God, for Nehemiah, it took a moment of reflection. He said, by the way, how are the people in Jerusalem doing? They said they are in trouble and in disgrace. A morally decadent life is a life that is troubled and in disgrace. A spiritually decadent life is a life that is in trouble and in disgrace. But unless you come to the acknowledgement of the fact that I am in trouble, help. You, K. Serasserite, will not change it. You excusing yourself and telling yourself whatever story you want to tell yourself is not going to make it go away. You say, oh, I've been, I've been trying. I tried and tried and tried. Maybe that's just how the Lord made me. God did not make you like that. The Bible says, at the end of creation, each day, he will look back and behold, it was very good and perfect. Everything he created was good and perfect. Number three, we're talking about desolation and waste places. I said it, 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 desolation can be a physical desolation place or it could be spiritual and moral desolation or decadence. Number three, desolation or a waste place can happen as a result of God's judgment or as a consequence of God's judgment. Waste places sometimes are results of judgment or consequences for disobedience. Amen? You know, when my daughters were much younger, I even until recently, I would tell them, don't be in a hurry to grow up. <laughs> I wish... There are people I can call that will just take over my responsibility. Say, oh, they have sent the mortgage bill. Can you please pay it? <laughs> Pastor IB. That would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, I just look at that. Who are the people that are really, really, I know the engineers and the doctors. Oh, the bill has come. Or the car note. Amen. Don't be in a hurry to grow up, to have responsibilities. Don't be in a hurry. Bless you. When nations or individuals turn away from God and his commands, their lives and their land will become desolate. Isaiah chapter 5, 
we'll read from verse 1. And I'm reading the New King James here. Isaiah chapter 5 from verse 1. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my well-beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. Note that. Where the vineyard is planted is fruitful. Let's start with that. Verse 2. On a fruitful hill. But that notwithstanding. So he dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. Fertile ground, choicest, choicest. You know, it's words like that that I review English as my second language. <laughs> he planted what? Say it now. Choices. Choices. Okay, you are better than me. That's what I wanted to prove. <laughs> and planted it with choicest vine. He built a tower in the midst of it. And also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes. But it brought forth wild grapes. Let me tell you the analogy of this in our lives. God gave his very best for you and I. God gave Jesus. Beyond Jesus, there's nothing else to give. You know why? Jesus is the son of God. Okay, you didn't catch that. Jesus is God. So God gave himself as an offer, as an offering of sacrifice for you. The choicest vine he gave to you and I. My life, your life, has no choice but to bring forth choice grapes. Choice grapes. He said, but after doing all of this, he said, I till the ground, I remove the stones. That is talking about what people like myself, God has placed in your life to do, you know, help you till the ground of your heart. I gave you ministers. I gave you uh, pastors. I gave you teachers. I gave you evangelists to help you till the ground. Say, but in spite of all of that, you come forth with wild grapes. Let's continue reading. Verse 3. Now, all inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then? When I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now, please, let me know, or, or please, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned, and break, break down its walls, and it shall be trampled. I will lay it waste. This is judgment. I said, so uh, waste places, desolations can be as a result of consequence of disobedience or judgment. 
So he said, I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. May that not be your portion. In the name of Jesus. God has given us everything. Remember the rich man. The one that Lazarus was at his gate begging for arms. In heaven, Lazarus was in heaven in Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died and went to hell and saw Lazarus in heaven. He said, tell him to bring me water. He thought he was like on earth. <laughs> Levels have changed. May God divinely reposition you. In the name of Jesus. Oh, he thought it was like old times. He said, tell him to bring me water. He said, from where to where? You and who? You are just down. Amen. He said, from where? he said, levels have changed. He cannot. People cannot come from over there to over here. Levels have changed. He said, please. Ah, send messengers to my people to let them know I'm in pain. I'm in hell. I'm in fire. I'm burning up. Go warn them. I said, no. If they will not listen to the warning of the people there now, they will come and join you there very gladly. Hallelujah. It's a moment of pause. The picture I'm painting is not one of doom, but I do want you to see the flip side so that you can pause and reflect on your life. So that I can pause and reflect on my life. And that's why I've added number four, talking about <laughs> desolation and waste places. Oh, by the way, the message, the note is in the app, in the church app. Restoration and renewal can come after desolation and judgment. God is the one that can transform desolate places into places of beauty and productivity. But the first step, come on, say first step, first step, is an acknowledgement. Why would I go see a physician if I think all is well with me? In fact, that's a disease in itself. People that are always thinking there's something wrong with them. <laughs> I praise the Lord. Only sick people need physicians. The one that is sick and does not know he's sick and is at home eating candy and acne and he has diabetes. Thank you very much. Good example. Does he know? Oblivious to his situation. The message today is come to the acknowledgement that I need help. Come to the realization that I am not doing well. And that's okay. I'm not doing well. I need what? I need help. I need help. Listen. John 10.10, 10, this is Jesus speaking. He said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. 
That is why he came. John 3, 17, you know 16. John 3, 16. That's right. You know it. Let's read 17 now. Let's read 17. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. The New King James says not to condemn the world. So the words you are hearing now is not supposed to condemn you. It's to convict you that I need help. If all the devil does with you is to make you feel condemned and terrible, that is not the goal. The goal is for you to come to the realization, Lord, something is wrong. I need your help. Help me. Help me. Say, he did not come to condemn the world. Rather, he came to save the world. Go on, go on, go on. Don't worry. He came to save the world. That's the reason he came. Nehemiah had enough understanding and relationship with God to know that this desolation is not right. It's not of God. We need to do something. That's why in Nehemiah 1.4, what did he do? He said, I sat down and I wept. Amen? It felt bad, which is what many of us would do. Oh, I'm just tired with my life. Look at me. Nothing is working out. Everything I tried, it just fails. It just doesn't work around. He wept. But quickly, he mourned. He fasted and he prayed. He didn't stop at crying. Amen? He didn't stop at pity party. You can hear a message like this and you get so emotional. It's not emotion. It's not emotion. But it's for you to wake up and say, Lord, I need you. I need help. I need help. Help me. Help me, Jesus. So the first step is recognizing that there is a desolation. There is a desolation. And I put a few reflective questions here. Remember the prodigal son. The Bible says the prodigal son came to himself. Hello, where was he before? He came to himself. It means he did not see his situation prior to that time. When you come to see yourself is the moment you begin to make, st take steps to correct what is wrong. You know, there's a common saying that the day a mad person comes to the realization that I am mad. Oh, I'm mad. <laughs> it's, the problem is half solved. <laughs> the problem is half, half solved. But if you think carrying on the way you're carrying on is okay, then it, it will be difficult, if not impossible, to bring that person back. So I put a few reflective questions here for us to consider. Number one, I say, how is your marriage? In case everything I've said is just spiritual, you can't see what I'm talking. Let's start with your marriage. How is your marriage? Do you have a healthy relationship with your spouse? Or is it a relationship of Lord and Master? You're the boss man. And everybody bows to you. You know, there's a question my wife asks me from time to time. 
she, she tells me, she said, you never ask me how I'm doing. You don't ask me if I'm happy in this marriage. And it's not my fault that I don't ask. I'll tell you, no, 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 I'm serious. Oh, some of you will be able to relate. I grew up with the mindset that a man must be a provider. So if I provide for you, you better be happy. <laughs> but it caused me to stop. And I thought about it. Because that is how divorce happens. You just keep assuming, oh, I, I, you have roof, I give you money, I buy this for you, I celebrate you, I do this, I do that. And you think she's happy. You just assume she's happy. Pastors have divorced. Bishops have divorced because of simple things. Are you happy? Ask her. Don't assume she's happy. Of course, women too, you ask your own questions. Friends, is your marriage a wasteland? Is your marriage in desolation? Is your marriage on life support? Is cathartic and marasmic? That's me pretending to be doctor. Right there. <laughs> Number two, how's your career? How's the dream you, you had? Many of us, I look around the room, many of us are immigrants. When you were coming to America, what were your thoughts? What was the vision? What was the plan? And now you have settled with it is what it is. Your career has become a wasteland. I told you, the guy, this guy is a professional. Professional. If it's money, he has money. If it's influence, I'm like, graduate study, I forgot to ask. Maybe he's even PhD. I don't know what he's doing. I'm like, what's, what's wrong? Did, 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 did God create the world just for you? <laughs> But well, that's a man that is thinking. We all have 24 hours. Stop excusing yourself. Oh, the problem is time. Oh, really? Do you know, I myself that I'm talking to you, right? I'm a full-time student. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm four hours in class. I have an assignment due every week. And since I started, I don't think my sermon has been watered down. Amen? So, three days of the week, I'm tired. So, I go to work eight to five. I have five to six to take a breather. Six to ten, I'm in class. Tuesday, I'm in church for Bible study. Friday, I'm in church for prayer meeting. So Saturday is when I sleep in. That's why if you call me Saturday morning, the Lord will help you. <laughs> That's when I'm really, really snoring. <laughs> Pastor Cole and I were supposed to have lunch yesterday. I used tired. 
I said, Pastor, you rest. You need to rest. You need to rest. <laughs> you need to rest. <laughs> you need to rest, sir. Please rest. <laughs> How is your career? How are your dreams and aspirations? Are they in shambles? Have you settled? Have you settled? You say, oh, the problem is I have an accent. I, I have an accent. But Abambo, do you not have an accent? Shegu, you don't have an accent? We all have accents. Do you not have an accent? Sister, how can I forget? Francis, Fran, you don't. When she speaks, you know she's American. She has an accent. Pastor Cole has an accent. We all have accents. Yours is from where it is. <laughs> That's where it's from. It's as simple as that. But do your best to be clear, at least for people to understand you when you are speaking. Work on it. Work on it. I'm not saying just say, well, it is what it is. You know what changed me? When I was in the military, a guy said to me, he said, you know, we go by last name in the military. He said, Sonny, he said, you, you do know you have an accent, right? I said, yeah. He said, when you get excited, he said, your accent really, really kicks in and I can't understand you. That helped me. I, didn't, I was not mad. That is how I trained myself to begin to speak the way I speak now. When we were in the old church, there were two ladies that will always call me after the service. Pastor Cole, I have to re-preach that sermon. Slowly, in a way, they love the church. They, want, they wanted to understand. So they will come, they will call me. So, so Pastor, you said, on a three-way call, say, Pastor, you said, what, what did that mean? Then I will decode. Then I will now talk more slowly, more slowly. But many of us say, oh, I'm in the spirit. You are talking, nobody can understand what you're saying. You say, it's the, it's the anointing. Oh, keep on leaving. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. I want, to, I want to tie it up with this. Do you have a relationship with Christ? Can you please look up, everybody? Please look up. Please look up. Do you have a relationship with Christ or do you have a church affiliation? Okay, I'll say it again. Do you have a relationship with Christ or do you have a church affiliation? Do you belong to a church or do you belong to Christ? That has been lost in translation. The vast majority of people in church today they are affiliated with the church. That is why Jesus said, in the end time, many will come. He said, I know you not. Get thee away. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Honestly, can heaven say, we know you? We know you in Salvation Center. No doubt. In fact, I was 
thoroughly embarrassed. The other day, I was greeting somebody. I said, ah, it's good to have you. I really appreciate you. This, this, and that. So, when did you start coming? He said, I've been here two years. Ah. I was ashamed. That's a shameful thing for me. But does heaven know you? If you cannot confidently say you have a relationship with Christ, please let's rise to our feet. I need to, oh, I'm five, four minutes over. Friends, don't make 2024 about anybody else. Make it about you. You say, I want to start a new work with God in 2024. Please come forward very quickly. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.